0: 25, 2020. This is the All-American Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul Seawright. Well, it's starting to get pretty crazy out there in those lockdown states. Just how long is the lockdown going to last? And how long before these demonstrations go to the next level? I'm predicting that, due to the rise in tyranny across the country, we're going to see the rebirth of secessionist movements everywhere within two months, unless the lockdowns are ended. Those who have grown tired of the political abuse by their alleged representatives are going to explore this path once again. I see it coming and think you'll hear a lot about it in the coming months. Ask yourself: Would you join a secessionist movement today? If it's peaceful, if it's violent, how would you react if you saw a rising secessionist movement in your state or in your county? What would you do? Would you support it? Would you take up arms if it became violent? Ever since the country was founded, and particularly since the mid-1800s, there has been talk of states seceding from the Union and talks of subdivisions of states, meaning counties or cities or groups of them, talking about seceding from their respective states. Most people think of the Civil War when thinking about secession And there is quite a bit of talk about a second civil war in our country right now, due to the political, ideological, and cultural clash between left and right. That may in fact occur at some point in the future as the country begins to unravel. But the civil war isn't the only model for this occurring. Secessions can be violent, or they can be peaceful. The first secessions in America, not including the civil war, were in fact peaceful. In 1795, not too long after the Revolutionary War, Kentucky broke away from Virginia. In 1820, Maine seceded from Massachusetts, and in 1863, West West Virginia broke away from Virginia. All of these secessions were done according to legal process, and they were orderly, not violent, and they involved the consent of the states that the new states were being created out of. This is the way the process is supposed to work. I have to point out that secession of counties and towns may be provided for in state constitutions. It has generally been held that the right of a state to secede from the country, however, has no legal process and would be an illegal act of rebellion against the federal government. I, of course, recognize that many Texans may say otherwise, but I am stating this because it is the general view held by most constitutional law scholars, including the late great conservative Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. Modern secessionist movements have sought to be peaceful, but they could easily turn violent in the months ahead. The conditions are ripe as people, mostly on the right of the political spectrum, are fed up with tyrannical orders and dictates from primarily, but not solely, leftist politicians. If a secessionist movement gains steam, it will probably be a movement by those on the right. Those on the left have a couple minor secessionist movements, but they generally aren't too interested in secession compared to the political right. This is because the left does not believe in self-determination beyond the right to smoke weed and call yourself whatever gender you feel like on a given day. If they get weed, free medical care, a massive welfare state, and abortion rights through birth, they're pretty much good. Nothing else really matters to them the government can pretty much do whatever it wants as long as they get these goodies. In essence, the left wants legalized vice and to be free from the consequences of their actions, having all of society responsible for bearing those consequences. Real freedom, which requires self-responsibility, is not of interest to them. The left doesn't care really at all about freedom that respects individual thought and opinion outside of their orthodoxy, and they surely don't respect the economic liberty, property rights, nor the self-defense rights of the individual. They believe in an all-powerful central government, like all socialist regimes, that tells people how to live and arbitrarily determines how you must think speak, and manage your personal affairs, as well as, of course, how much money you can have and what you must spend it on, the balance of which will be redistributed to the masses, no matter their ability, talent, work ethic, or contributions. This is the left's utopia, a land of nanny state control freaks ensuring no one owns anything they don't want you to own with everyone forced equally into the same enslaved, third-world, lower-class status. But you will have lots of marijuana and taxpayer-paid health care of questionable quality, of course. So there's that. And to create their paradise, they need to leech off of the productivity of as many people as possible to force this socialist utopia. The left needs captives to create their socialist utopia, Because free people don't believe in submitting to a slave master or overlord. And since the play to force this system of oppression on the free people of America has shifted into overdrive, the free people are getting restless and are ready to fight back. We're seeing this now with all of the demonstrations across the country. If the forces of tyranny do not relent in Michigan, Virginia, Maine, Massachusetts, California, Washington, New York, and many other places across the land, I suspect and predict that new life will be breathed into the secessionist movement, and it's going to be hard to prevent this from happening for three main reasons. The first reason is the rapidly evolving economic catastrophe. The United States has over $24 trillion in debt and growing, thanks to the reckless spending and poor financial management of the federal government as well as that of states, cities, and counties that already spent themselves nearly into oblivion before the pandemic even started. Look at how poorly states have managed their pension funds, for example. They do not have the revenue to pay their pension obligations after negotiating some very bad deals for taxpayers and this has already led to major funding problems in New Jersey, Illinois, and California, just to name a few states. Many states are spending billions they don't have on free education, medical care, housing, and food for illegal immigrants while ignoring the plight of their very own citizens, many of whom are homeless and helpless. Overspending has become so problematic that nearly every state has to borrow to pay for public works, infrastructure, and other items because they are flat broke. They may not look broke because they are living on credit provided by China, Japan, and a host of other nations around the world, but that won't last forever. Now the federal government and multiple states are borrowing even more money to support the economic implosion they caused With lockdowns across the country. This money, again, has to be borrowed and eventually paid back. But the U.S. really has no way to pay back its debt other than by more borrowing, devaluing the dollar so your money buys less and less each year, and taxing you more. It's a massive Ponzi scheme, with the sucker being the American citizen. And guess what? Because of this game, we'll all lose our financial shirts. Some of the conservative states like South Dakota will likely weather this storm better than the lockdown states. And you have to wonder why some states didn't lock anyone down while others did. But that's a topic for another day. So with people's livelihoods destroyed and frustrations with a system that has been using the citizen as a giant ATM machine for the government and its globalist proxies, the American citizen is becoming very fed up with being used to enrich others at his expense. Unemployment filings have already gone above 24 million, and this is absolute insanity. The second reason for the growing secessionist movement is political rebellion. People are already fed up with the fact that their representatives ignore them and seem to care more about power and control of society and enriching their own pockets and getting reelected than they are in doing their jobs, which is to manage the country within the framework of the Constitution. Politicians are not at all responsive to their constituents or to the supreme law of the land, unless it's because they can exploit a situation for their own power, career, or financial gain. Abuse of power is running rampant among the political class though it's interesting that people don't really care about the corruption of members of the opposite party. Joe Biden's sexual assault allegations are a prime example of this. On mere allegations with zero evidence or corroborating witnesses, the left attempted to destroy Justice Kavanaugh. But with respect to the allegations against Joe Biden, there was absolute silence by the left. We also have politicians who somehow managed to become Multi-millionaires while they are serving in Congress. Think about this: Congress only pays $174,000 a year, so the fact that you get elected and become a multi-millionaire, that doesn't escape the eye of constituents who wonder who their politicians are really serving. The third reason for the rising secessionist movement is the culture wars. The left wants to destroy America's traditions. If you listen to episode seven of this podcast you know that cultural marxism rather than economic marxism has become the preferred weapon for socialists to gain control of america and to fold it into the globalist plantation the political right wants to preserve american heritage and is not afraid of history and finds value in teaching it the left wants to destroy any vestige of american history and replace it with false stories, dogma, and doctrine. Like the Soviet Union and the Chinese communists of Mao Zedong's Cultural Revolution, the socialist coup d'etat plotters want to erase our history, especially the aspects of it that relate to individual liberty. Doing this means that they can re-educate the population and replace history with false doctrine that serves their interests. This would include Demonizing the Founding Fathers by only focusing on their faults as slave owners or misogynists, and even contriving false stories to support their positions. Demonizing entrepreneurs, property owners, and business owners as greedy and inconsiderate of their fellow human beings. Eliminating the objective study of real sciences like genetics, biology, and anatomy, as well as climatology for that matter. And replacing these sciences with emotionally based pseudosciences and ideology. In the case of life sciences, this is done to convince young and gullible people that they can actually choose their gender. And why? Well, it's done to marginalize males. In the process of resolving this fabricated problem of gender and masculinity, they will force men. The builders and protectors of civilization, and their innate masculinity into a suppressed and docile state. It's easier to control humanity's natural-born fighters if you convince them that their innate character is toxic, and if they believe they are criminals for thinking in the same manner that all men throughout history have thought. Eliminating masculinity means socialists get their way far more easily. If you pacify men and destroy their innate traits from birth, you'll get them to lay down and stay down. Unless someone awakens the spirit within them, they will submit to arbitrary power and let themselves be led around like dogs by those seeking to remake the world in their socialist image. It's a pretty simple design. So there are several secessionist movements that have been percolating for years, looking for them to to gain some new momentum. Seceding from the state to create a new state is one thing. And as I mentioned earlier, it is contemplated in some state constitutions. Seceding from the union altogether, however, is another matter and that wouldn't be permitted without conflict. Any movement that would try to secede from the U.S. would likely face the U.S. military. Going back to Texas now, they have long claimed the right to leave the union as a condition of joining it. But interestingly, a survey discovered in 2012 that while 31% of Texans said they believed they had the right to secede, 75% of Texans opposed doing so. Today, those numbers are probably different, but it's hard to say since we'd have to account for changing demographics. If Biden somehow wins the election, the political right will probably be bringing up secession in earnest once again as progressive policies are rammed down the throats of Americans. California, interestingly, has had at least three modern secessionist movements, one by conservatism libertarians in Northern California, where 23 different counties voted to create a new state. In the north of California, from about where Napa Valley is, north of Napa Valley to the Oregon border, that group of counties voted to create a new state of Jefferson. They see their values as not being respected by the left-leading California Assembly, and they also see their land, water, and other physical resources being abused by politicians. Now, interestingly, there are two so-called progressive secessionist movements in California, But they, of course, don't seek to separate from the conservative parts of the state. They seek for the whole state to break away from the U.S. Now remember, they need those productive conservative parts of the state in order to survive. Liberals require captives for their socialist policies to work. My personal take is that if progressives in California are willing to take with them only the liberal parts of California and not conservative, we ought to let them do it. They may be not likely to understand or appreciate the truth that their country, their new country, would be a narrow and highly populated strip of land along the coast that runs from San Francisco to Los Angeles and that's about it. They would also find themselves on the road to third world status in a heartbeat. In Virginia, You have the vast majority of counties, nearly all of them, opposed to the governor's anti-Second Amendment edicts, and nearly all of Virginia's counties have voted to become Second Amendment sanctuaries, refusing to cooperate with or enforce new anti-gun laws that the governor and the new left-leaning state government passed. I have to note that Virginia's politics have become dominated by liberals in recent years because they fled Washington, D.C., stressed out from the weight of their own liberal policies, and moved in droves across the Potomac River seeking a better quality of life, which they promptly destroyed. In typical liberal fashion, they ruined the quality of life for the entire state. Now, those in more conservative parts of the state wish they could break free from northern Virginia, the small geographic area that is dominated by those D.C. liberals. It's interesting, though, that the government of West Virginia a state that has a healthy respect for gun rights, actually invited counties in Virginia to secede from Virginia and become part of West Virginia. As I mentioned earlier though, liberals would never allow this because they need captives. They need serfs for their socialist policies to work. So there are multiple movements that exist and the drumbeat to secession will get louder with time as economic strife, political tyranny, and those cultural clashes expand in the coming months. I'm not sure if any group would be successful, it's hard to say, but I feel we are approaching civil unrest and these movements will be gaining strength. And with that, I'll leave you with your quote of the day and it comes from Calvin Coolidge. No method of procedure has ever been devised by which liberty could be divorced from local self-government. No plan of centralization has ever been adopted, which did not result in bureaucracy, tyranny, inflexibility, reaction, and decline. Thank you, and good night.